Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, 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 welcome. It's the Car Session Sports Report. I'm your host, Javi. And if you're not familiar with Car Sessions, this is the break from all the narratives and all the agendas that the uh, sports networks all around the globe give you. They, they want to steer you in a certain direction, and they don't want to give you a real. Well, Car Sessions gives you the real. Essentially, Car Sessions is your Uber for sports talk. We cut the fluff and get straight to the chase. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Apparently, Derek Fisher wants to get back into basketball. He saw some videos circulating last week. He's putting up shots. He has streak-sounding captions under these videos, like he's been hanging around with the young people, so he's learning how to sound like Drake in his captions. But, Fish, (laughs) you're retired from the game. And when you were last seen playing the game, you weren't very good. You went into coaching. You weren't very good. You got a little scandal with Matt Barnes and his lady. That was a little shaky for you. So now you want to go back to being a player? What is this? I'm not a player. I just crush a lot. <laughs> Come on, D-Fish. You know nobody's going to touch you now. You can't get a coach job. You can't leave basketball alone. So you decide that you want to become a player again. We know you're a good player. Maybe not when it comes to basketball, but clearly with the ladies. You're a good player. Stick to being a lady killer, D-Fish. Nobody wants you. And then when the report comes out that you're looking to get back into basketball, you, you try to you try to deflect and refute said reports by saying that you're not trying to come back to the game. So why would you put videos out doing drills? If you were just putting up shots with that sweet lefty jump shot, I could understand that. But you were doing drills, fish. You were doing dribbling drills. You were doing pull-up drills. You know, you were stopping at the elbow, a hard dribble, stop at the elbow and pull-up. That's <laughs> That's showing you still got it. That's not that's not somebody showing that he still loves the game. And quite frankly, you weren't a superstar when you were in the game. So obviously, obviously you're looking for work, buddy. Whether it's in China, whether it's in Europe, whether it's right here in the U.S. of A. You're looking for work, fish. You should have kept it 100 when you posted the video out. You should have had, you know how that Snapchat, they put the text right in the middle of the screen with the video. Right in the middle of the screen, it should have said, looking for work, as you put your videos of you putting up your shots. D-Fish, as I like to say on car sessions, you are not low, buddy. You are not low. We know what you were doing. We know what you were trying to do. We caught you. Own it. Go to China. Maybe you'll become a superstar like uh, Starberry out there. Maybe they'll give you a statue next to Kobe's statue. But nobody's hiring you in the NBA. Let it go. Let it go. I needed to get that off off the rip. I know a lot of y'all are probably saying this guy's starting off with Derek Fisher on car sessions. But yes, it made me laugh. We, again, this is a sports talk Uber car session. Huh? We, we don't do things the cliched way where we talk about LeBron chasing ghosts and we know who he's talking about. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk about something else like Derek Fisher low-key trying to get back into the NBA. But beyond Derek Fisher, I'll talk about something a little more popular because I know that's what the fans want. That's what sports fans want. They need that. They need popular sports talk. Uh, Russell Westbrook just got paid. There's a provision in the CBA that allows when you lose a max player, there's a, it's a situation that comes into play where Another player could get bumped up to make up for the money that becomes available once that max player leaves. I don't want to misguide you. You can look it up, but it's something along those lines. Again, I'm not a know-it-all. I'm not a sports encyclopedia. I'm just your host, Javi, on the car session. Westbrook, three-year, 86 or $85 million extension. That's big money. That's big buku bucks right there. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not mad at this man getting paid. I'm not mad at all. At the end of the day... We all know that the Oklahoma City Thunder was running around there with two high-level superstars. It was not a, a, a A or a B option there. It was clear that those two guys were both alphas, but in two different kind of ways. And then sometimes you could argue that Kevin Durant, post-injury, came sort of a beta. Like the, I would say the most alpha between the two was Russell Westbrook. 
So I'm not mad at Westbrook for getting that paper. Get your money, Russell Westbrook. But that being said, everybody now is hooting and hollering and making noise. Oh, he got the extension. He's staying. Oklahoma City put up the thank you. All the, I can think it was the lights or something like that. Or the, the downtown area. Look, thank you, Russell, or something along those lines. And everybody's excited. Russell is staying. Yay. How do we know Russell Westbrook staying? That's my question to y'all right now. How do we know that Russell Westbrook is staying anywhere? Hmm? Think about that for a second. Does anybody know that had Russell Westbrook opted out after next season, became a free agent, he couldn't get the full max that everyone else was getting? Did you know that? Did you know that he to get the 35% of the team's salary cap or the team's salary or whatever it's called, he'd have to play 10 years? Hmm? Coming out after the ninth year, He'd only get 30% of that. So now most people are going to say, oh, what difference does it make? 35, 30? Yo, it's, it's, it's a few million dollars, and you can't count people's money. So that being said, everybody's expecting him to be a thunder for life. I haven't heard Russell Westbrook say this yet. I'm seeing Ennis Kanter posting things on social media, but I've heard Westbrook say, I plan on staying here for the rest of my career. I think what we saw from Russell Westbrook was a business decision. Strictly business. He wants to get paid like a top-tier NBA player. And by signing this extension, essentially give and take. You want to get paid like a top-tier max player? Fine. Give us a couple extra years. Russell Westbrook says, sure, why not? Everybody wins. Well, who's to say he's going to stay? Really and truly, Westbrook is only sticking around for this upcoming season and the following season. Then he can opt out and leave anyway. So everybody here, once again, running to punch Kevin Durant in the face. Oh, he left. Look at Russell. Russell stayed. No, Russell stayed. How could you leave OKC? How could you go to the enemy? Blah, 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 blah. Uh, It's business. Russell Westbrook said in that contract was strictly business. Why would Russell Westbrook play for 17 mil when he could get 26 mil? I mean, come on. Huh? Where was that money going to go? They weren't going to sign anybody else. It would have just been $8 million or $9 million of dead money. Why not take that money if I'm Russell Westbrook? Why not get paid as one of the top players in the league if I'm Russell Westbrook? Why not do this and position myself to continue to be paid as one of the top players in the NBA for the rest of my career? So once again, you, you over-eager, narrative-following sports fans, slow your roll, bump your brakes. Russell Westbrook might leave anyway. He's just going to wait a couple of extra years, take, take the publicity boost that he'll get from sticking around while KD leaves, and everybody is kosher. Because what are you going to say in two years? You same narrative following sports fans. How could he leave? Oh, he stabbed him in the back. He took the money, and he stabbed him in the back. No, he didn't. This is what I'm telling you right now. Right now, right this minute. This whole move was a business decision. And he's probably out anyway. Don't be surprised that in two years, free agency 2018, Russell Westbrook signs elsewhere. I'm not going to say the Lakers. I'm not going to be Laker fan, y'all, because I'm not sure if I want Russell Westbrook on my team. I kind of like the young core. But don't be surprised if he ends up on another team in two years from now. I'm just saying. I don't want to rain in anybody's parade. I don't want to be the guy who spoils it for everyone else. But I just want you to be mindful. Be aware. Be, you know, my, my whole goal with car sessions is to make sports fans aware. Because I feel like it's a lot of people just following. Going with the flow. Going with what's being told to them. So I'm here to give you the reality checks so that you're not surprised when things happen. All right? I'm just saying. Let's stick around in the NBA Former Oklahoma City Thunder Kevin Durant, as we know, he's playing in the Olympics right now as we speak, and he's now a Golden State Warrior. Clay Thompson, the most swagged out member of the Golden State Warriors, believe it or not, did an interview with the Vertical. And then he asked him, you know, typical question when you have a new super team. Who's going to take a step back? Who's going to do this? How is it going to affect team chemistry? Blah, blah, blah. We, we, we know it. We've seen it. But every super team that's come about, they ask the same questions. It's almost like to give all the media members a pamphlet, ask these questions to members of super teams. These specific questions to high-ranking members of super teams. So you got to ask the question. 
know you heard the quotes, but for those who might be aloof to the quotes, this is what he said. He says, I feel kind of disrespected that people keep using the term sacrifice to describe me and describe us. We all want to see each other do well, but I'm not sacrificing bleep because my game isn't changing. I'm still going to try to get buckets, hit shots, come off screen. I want to win and have fun every game we play. So now, as soon as he says, I'm not sacrificing bleep, the media completely throws at every other portion of that quote, and they run with that whole possible trouble in Golden State. Oh, maybe maybe things won't be so smooth after all. Now we have to wonder how things are going to work out in Golden State with Kevin Durant. He's not Harrison Barnes. He's not going to be okay with just taking no shots and blah, 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 blah. Yes, you see, it's the second time I've had the blah, blah, blah. Because that's all I've been hearing the past week in sports. I'm on vacation, y'all, so I'm getting to consume even more sports from around the globe. And there's a whole lot of blah, 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 blah. Because in the end, even after two years of following the Golden State Warriors, you sports fans still don't get it. Even after car sessions where myself and my former co-host, A-Rich, we, ha- we sat there and we explained the situation of what the Warriors are. You still don't get it. This team, it's not about who gets the shot. All those narratives and all the constructs that you keep trying to fit the Warriors into, that's not them. So let it go. This is not a superstar-driven team where one guy gets 35 to 40% of the shots and then everybody else, the secondary guy, gets about 15 to 20% of the shots and then everybody else has to fend for themselves. No. This team, this Warriors offense, is predicated on spacing, ball movement, and shot making. It's not about any of those other things. It's not about isolation basketball. It's not about chasing ghosts and being the guy to be all guys. No, not about that. When you see a guy like Kevin Durant, and why I keep trying to explain to sports fans everywhere that Kevin Durant didn't leave because he wanted to join the enemy. Kevin Durant went because it was the best possible basketball decision for him to make. When you think about what Kevin Durant's game is, he's not an ISO scorer by nature. He's one of the most efficient wing players in NBA history. But the kind of game that he likes to play, he's just a part-time slasher. He's a great jump shooter. He, he, he attacks the rim. He can shoot the three. The guy's a 50-40-90 guy. He believes in high-efficiency basketball. So why not put myself, if I'm Kevin Durant, on the most efficient team of the modern era? That's the Golden State Warriors. You can't double anybody. You saw how many times Harrison Barnes has opened throughout the Steve Kerr, Steve Kerr era of the, of the Golden State Warriors. Yeah, I'm stuttering. You hear that, right? But you see what was happening, right? He essentially slots right in to the Harrison Barnes role. I know it's easy to say, but he's going to be the small forward on that team. There's going to be a lot of going from side to side with the basketball. There's going to be a lot of nights where if I'm a defense, I have to pick my poison. Am I going to let Chef Curry demolish me? Am I going to let Clay Thompson demolish me? Am I going to let KD demolish me? Can't forget Draymond. Can't forget whoever's coming off the bench because they lost a lot of bench guys now that I think about it. But you're going to see guys like Rush step up. You're going to see guys that they, they sound like Pachulia being more of a physical presence than Bogut ever was. David West is going to be open. You're gonna, but people forget, David West is a pretty decent mid-range jump shooter. Now you're going to leave him open too? It's pick your poison. It's not about sacrifice. It's not like Clay Thompson is an isolation scorer who dribbles a lot. He's going to come off screens. He's going to keep coming off screens. Steph Curry's going to get his time to shine and do his dribble and pull-up game. KD's going to get his touches on, on, on the spots on the floor. What, what, what makes this offense special is that nobody's required to do one set thing. If you catch the ball and you have space to go, the offense allows you to catch and go. If you want to catch and shoot, the offense allows you to catch and shoot. What I want to see from Kevin Durant and what we've already seen from Klay Thompson is the ability to play off the ball. Klay Thompson quietly is one of the best cutters in the game. Nobody gives him credit for his ability to slash and cut and play off the ball. But again, you hear what I'm saying? Play off the ball. The ball moves. The ball doesn't stick. At some point, sports fans, NBA fans in particular, get it through your head. This is not the typical basketball team. They have not been the typical basketball team 
and those narratives and those specific basketball constructs do not pertain to the Golden State Warriors. So take these quotes, crumble them up, throw them in the garbage. That's what you should do. All right? Also last week, I saw a baseball player named Joey Votto. He's going to catch a foul ball. He's at home, plays for the Cincinnati Reds. And one of the Reds fans gets in the way of him trying to catch the foul ball. Obviously, he doesn't get the ball. He flicks the fan's t-shirt because the fan is wearing a Reds t-shirt. So essentially, he flicked the shirt as to say, come on, man, you're a Reds fan. You're supposed to be helping me out by getting out of the way so I can catch the ball. So everybody loses him. Man, oh, he shouldn't have touched him. He shouldn't have touched him. The nerve of him to put his hands on the fan. Then, of course, you know, those sports networks do the video montages of him doing certain things that illustrates him being a bad guy. All right. Let me start this off by saying that I am not okay with Joey Votto touching that fan in any way. You shouldn't do that. You're a professional athlete. You're a big-time million-dollar athlete. If you had pinched his nipple by accident when you flicked his shirt, that could have been a lawsuit right there. You physically harmed him. It hurt. There's a bruise on his nipple. I'm just saying. Cannot put your hands on fans. I want to get that out of the way before I say this. In 2016, where everyone wants to be so damn PC, we need to appreciate guys like Joey Votto. What? What are you saying? What? I know. It sounds crazy. But you know what? There's a lot of athletes that we like to pigeonhole and put in certain positions and say he's a good guy or he's a bad guy, right? Only for things to come out when he's a good guy that illustrates how bad of a guy he is or how fake he is. I feel now in 2016 with all the PC going on, we should appreciate a guy like Joey Votto putting all his cards on the table and showing you that he is a jerk. That he is an AH. I'll let you figure that out. He's not here to perform for the cameras. If you like him or you don't like him, you are going to make the conscious decision to do so. I'm kind of tired of the phony athlete. I kind of miss the days where athletes were allowed to be themselves and were not restricted by sneaker deals and all their endorsements and they got to shine how they wanted to shine, whether in a negative light or in a positive light. People, appreciate Joey Votto for all his realness. Now you're going to say, sometimes keeping it real goes wrong. And that's true. I can't argue that. But you know what? I'd rather a guy let me know who he is from the jump. I'd rather a guy who's not here to pump fake it. He's here to let you know that I, I don't love people, but I get paid to play baseball, and I'm going to do that. And, you know, if you're going to cheer for my team, get out of the way. I appreciate that. And I feel as though sports fans everywhere should appreciate the upfront jerk. It allows you to make a snap decision about him right away so that you can go about your day and not be surprised when he does things that upfront jerks do. Appreciate Joey Votto. I'm going to talk about baseball a little bit later. Also, Eddie Sagara is going to be joining us for our weekly Mets MLB segment. If y'all want to hear about intro, if you want to hear about A-Rod, tune in for that. But that's going to be later on in the show, around 7.45. Bookmark that time. Last thing I wanted to get into, the Olympics. Serious question. Does anyone really care about the Olympics? No, really. Now you're going to say, John, what are you talking about? I know I'm asking a lot of questions that might make you roll your eyes, but these are serious questions. Does anyone really care about the Olympics? Or is it something that you're following because you want to be in the mix? Because you don't, you don't follow half of these sports. You know, you don't follow canoeing. You don't follow swimming. You don't follow volleyball. Much of y'all don't follow soccer. Much of y'all really even know the gymnasts before this week who are performing for the women's national team or any of the gymnasts around the world for that matter. You don't know outside of Usain Bolt, who could you name in the track meets? Who can you name? At least keep it real. You know, you see here, it's a theme right now, keeping it real. At least keep it real. I don't really follow these sports, but I'm doing it because I want to be a nationalist in my country, USA, and I respect that. But don't come around like you've been preparing four years for the Olympics and you can't wait for each and every event because that will make you a fraud. 
Shout out to Brazil. And I say this, Brazil's been getting killed. You know, Zika, body parts of the world, you know, right? But at least Brazil's letting you know what the Olympic Games are really about. Because I watch some of these events again. I'm on vacation. I watch some of these events, and I look in the stands, and you know what I see? Empty seats. So it's evident that a lot of people in Brazil don't care about certain sports, and they're keeping it real. They're letting you know that it's only about three or four events that we're really here for. We're not going to waste time at these other events. All right, those guys are getting their awards. They're getting their medals, and I salute them. You know, getting the Olympic gold medal is a beautiful thing, right? But the people in Brazil are not friend like they care about each and every event. So everyone stateside, keep it real. You're cheering for America, and that's great. I am too. But don't pretend as if you're here for every event, because I'm going to call you out. All right? Those are my thoughts, ladies and gentlemen. As I do each and every week, I, I give you the opening segment where I rant and, and I rave and I discuss things that caught my eye that made me say, hmm. In a minute, we're going to get into the NFC South preview. But for now, quick break, and we'll be right back. The Car Session Sports Report is live every Monday at 7 p.m. If you can't make it for the live show, this episode and all other episodes are available as a podcast on blogtalkradio.com slash car session sports talk. I'll repeat that, blogtalkradio.com slash car session sports talk. Don't miss out. Yes, 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 we're back. It's time for the NFC South preview. And for that preview, I have the homie TJ here with me. TJ, what's going on, man? What's going on, family? How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. How are you, man? All right, change the plane. Hanging in there, man. Trying to enjoy. I'm a, I, I got I to gotta say something first, though. What up? This division was hard to try to break down, honestly. Oh, yeah? Really? Yeah. So you we, think we, so? We'll get into depth about it. It, it. In terms of teams from two to four, yes. Yeah. But I think we already know who's going to be one. But after that, it's like a toss-up. You think? I don't know, bro. I I think this division is pretty straightforward, brother. I I can't say I agree with you on that front. Okay. And I know, That's and I know, you, I know you like when I disagree with you. You don't like when I agree with you. So I'm gonna set the table. Yeah, I don't. I don't. disagree. I really don't. Because it makes me feel like you was looking over my shoulder and you were trying to copy my notes and everything like that. Like hey, you, I'm, you're on your Donald Trump's wife, and I'm 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 Michelle Obama on that one. Listen, 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 listen. I am not above cheating if it if it helps me prosper from time to time. I don't care. I said it on car session. Cheating to win sometimes helps, huh? But in this in this case, I'm not cheating. I wholeheartedly disagree with you. Um, I wanted to, I wanted to put some respect on the Carolina Panthers and start with them. They are the defending NFC champions. They are the defending NFC South champions. So I'd like to start right there, TJ. Yes, sir. Fair enough. Right. Um, go ahead. I'll let you lead off. I feel like for the most part, they're bringing back a lot of their key components that made that Super Bowl run and that disappointing Super Bowl loss from last season. But I'm going to start with the obvious. There's a gaping hole at the cornerback position. Big hole left by all pro Josh Norman. So I'm looking at them, and I, I've been saying this. This is our fourth week. This is part four of our NFL preview series. And you know my beliefs on the NFL. It's a passing league. You need a quarterback, and you need a secondary to win at a high level in the NFL. I don't really know anybody in the Carolina Panthers secondary. TJ, I'm looking at this team, and I'm like, will they be able to stop the pass? Will their front seven get enough pressure to where it can take away from some of the, the responsibilities of the back? I'm going to start with that with you, TJ. What, what did you find in the Carolina Panthers secondary that gives you confidence or cause to pause coming into this season? I'm not even going to say it's off the secondary. I'm going to go off of who I know is the GM of that roster. Okay. And that being Dave Gettleman, who comes from the Giants tree, basically uh-huh. with the fact that your pass rush will be your defense of of de- defending the pass, basically right. right there. So essentially, what I saw from Coney Eddy last year, he started to come on, especially towards the playoffs. He actually had a pretty good Super Bowl game and everything as well so I do I do have questions for them in terms of their cornerbacks and how long can they defend back there but if the pass rush can get to you in three seconds 
it might kind of like make up for it a little bit. And it starts it'll also make me believe that who what was Josh Norman? Was he a product of the system or was he actually right. that good? Right, right, right. You know, I I go back and forth. We've we've spoken about Josh Norman a few times. And it's like I'm not I think this season we're really gonna get a, a true definition of what Josh Norman is. I think he's a good cornerback in this league. I think he could be a great cornerback in this league. But we've already seen in the past zone corners when once they leave and they come out of their their zone philosophies, they get jammed up. They get exposed. Wasn't that Nandi? You know, exactly. Even with Darrell Revis. Darrell Revis is a press man corner and he went to Tampa, played in the Tampa two, and he didn't look like Revis Island anymore. He looked like a regular dude. So it could go either way. So I feel like, you know, unless the Redskins adjust what they plan on doing, they go into a cover three to accommodate Norman, he might get exposed, he might not be. But I know when he was there, his ball hawking capabilities, his courage capabilities, and just his football instincts was pretty damn good, pretty damn elite. And I feel like that might be missed because once the ball did get out, if the front seven didn't get there, when the ball got out, he made plays. Even in the Super Bowl, he played a pretty good game when Peyton Manning did get the ball out. He missed the interception. He deflected a couple of passes. He didn't get burned, long story short. So, and I look, I, look, I look at the depth chart, you know. I don't know these guys, TJ. You got a couple of nah, rookies there, know. too. They, they don't, they don't they, even have a – sometimes you can have a safety that can bail you out. I don't even know who their safeties are, bro. Who are these? They got a bunch of Joe Schmoes on his team. No, I agree with you about the back four, but right. I do believe that that front seven makes up a lot of it. Not even just okay. the front four, front seven, being with Keekly and Thomas, who could both drop back into coverage. And then you got to remember, they still have a, have a pretty good – I think he's in his – coming to his second year now. Shaq Thompson out of Washington, right. athletic linebacker. He could play on tight ends and everything. So I do believe that he's actually – probably like a key component for them in, in in that bat in terms of coverage. But the problem is also, though, not even the problem. I think what with on the offensive side, Kelvin Benjamin coming back, it, that completely changes everything for me a little bit because the fact that I would get upset looking at these receivers that they had last year making plays, I'm like, who are they? Why right. is Why are they making plays? Like, how are you letting Ted get? Ted Ginn. Ted Ginn. Why are you letting him do this to you, making him seem like he's an all-pro? Can I answer that? So, we say that again? I was like, can I answer that for you? Yeah, go ahead. I, I think Ted Ginn faced a lot of man courage, and he's one of the fastest guys in the league because they were trying to stop Killer Cam. So they they sold out for some blisters and played a lot of man, and he got to eat. Well, yeah, especially when you have Greg Olsen run, roaming across the, between the hashes. That so that, that helped out big time. That too, but, but a lot of times he was playing, he was single covered, and, and <laughs> when he did catch the ball, it was a big play. <laughs> yep, exactly. That that was crazy. But I think we both do agree that they will be the number one seed in their division thus far. I don't, as barring injury, that's oh, that's always the the case. Really? But barring injury, I do believe that they'll be the number one. I do believe that they prop with um, Jonathan Stewart getting a little bit older now. I do like Cameron Artis Payne as a run, as a backup running back. I do like him as a backup running back. So I think he deserves to get a little bit more burned this year. But yeah. offensively, I think they'll be better offensively this year with their receiver with Kelvin Benjamin back. I, yeah, I, and hopefully to me, the old line will play a little bit better. Kelvin Benjamin opens up the offense on a level that now you 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 forced to double cover him. There's no single cover yep. in him at all. You have to put respect on him. So now that's one less person in the box to deal with Cam, one less person in the box to deal with Artis Payne. So that makes their offense, and the O-line is not too shabby, that makes their offense a little more indefensible because people couldn't understand how they were scoring points, but it was because they, a lot of times, most I like most good offenses, excuse me, they make you make decisions. Who are you willing to stop? Who are you willing to let beat you? And a lot of times, like we said, uh, Ted Ginn, they used to let Ted Ginn beat him. He would beat him. Then you make an adjustment, you let Cam roam free, Cam would beat you. So now it's more pick your poison. Of course, they got the little read option game in there as well. Pick your poison and hope they have a bad game. That's what I think offensively for the Panthers. 
Yeah, I agree. That their offense is not gonna change too much this season. So it is what it is. They'll do what they gotta do. Um, Ron Rivera is a great coach thus far, so let's see how they do again. Let's see if they can repeat that. I you know what, I'm I'm gonna set the tone I'm not even gonna waste time and, and try to be secretive about it. I have them winning the division, bro. I have them being a top team in the NFC once again. Cam Newton is the best player in the league. I think I think they're gonna be right there again. There's gonna be a team in the NFC that you might have to go through and that's gonna be the Panthers. I'm setting that tone off the rip right now. That's fine. That's fair enough. They they and deserve that respect. You don't agree though. No, I agree. They, they, they deserve that respect. They're the number one right now. They're the number one. Like until until they get knocked off that perch, they're the number one. Even though I think Arizona does have something to say about that, but that's neither here nor there. But go ahead. That's neither here nor there. I like how you snuck that in, TJ. I like how you snuck that in, bro. You, I know you, man. I know you now. Really? See, before that's I didn't fine. know your tactics, but now I've been scouting you, and I, and I know what you do. Listen, what, uh, the game footage is out there. <laughs> I got the tape? Yes, sir. All right, man. I want to switch and talk about the Atlanta Falcons. And for that, I want to get both Johnson on the line. He's a... Uh, Saints, 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 Saints. Saints? He wants, he wants to talk yes. about the Saints? My bad. Yeah. You know, I'm not perfect here. He wants to talk about the Saints. Who that nation in the building? I want to tell you before I get him on the air. I always pick the Saints quietly when I play Madden. And no matter how bad Drew Brees is getting, that's quietly my favorite quarterback in the NFL. I'm sorry, TJ. I'm a Giants fan, but I love Drew Brees. I'm sorry. Can you forgive me? No, I will not because he destroyed us last season. So go ahead with that. We scored 49 points, though, man. We, it, it, hey, it wasn't our fault that he, our defense couldn't stop a nosebleed last season. Drew Brees historically has destroyed the Giants, especially in the Superdome. So I'm not even going to talk about that. Like, I love this, 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 Let's go on to my brother, Bo Johnson. I love Drew. I love the Saints offense. I love Sean Payton. He should have been our coach before Tom Coughlin. But anyway, Bo Johnson. Oh, brother. There you go. (laughs) Host of the 400-level podcast. Let's get him on the air. Bo, what's up, man? What's going on, fellas? How y'all doing? What's going on, Bo? How's everything? I'm good, man. Hey, uh, just uh, you know, following up on your uh, your Panthers conversation, I think you're right. To be the man, you got to beat the man, right? And, uh... I don't think the Panthers have gotten any worse. I think Josh Norman was a product of their front seven. I don't. I think okay. he's probably the most overrated player in the NFL. Wow. And uh, going up there to the NFC East, I think he's going to get blown up by OBJ a few times this season. I hope he it, does. Right. I like him already. <laughs> you see, I like him already. All right? You see, I believe that Josh Norman is a product of the system. He's a no, new ever. Totally right. No, I'm the awesome one. I'm going to say that right now. Yeah. Okay? I'm putting right. that out there. Okay. You know, I mean, if, if you go back and look at the tape, Josh Norman, most of his uh, most of his picks were from underthrown balls. They play a lot of zones, you know, and and the Panthers front seven gets after the quarterback and makes him, you know, make rush decisions, and that's where Josh Norman took advantage. I can't I can't say I disagree with much of that, but I do have yeah. to ask TJ, did, did did you did you vet this guy to make sure that he picked up the Giants, being that you're a giant homer? I feel like I feel like this is better. <laughs> <laughs> nah, listen, listen. Honestly, I'm gonna be honest out there. I love, I like, I'm really feeling Twitter now because this is how I found Bo. I just happened to put the hashtag in uh, Falcons Camp or Saints Camp, and I came across it. I went through a couple of his tweets and everything, and he seemed pretty, fairly knowledgeable and everything. So I was like, you know what? He has to come on this show just because. And as it were, you know, and I'm, and I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that happened. I'm actually calling from Falcons Camp as a nice. Saints fan. Nice. I live in Atlanta. I work for the Falcons flagship, 19 on the game. As it were, you know, uh, Atlanta was hiring and New Orleans wasn't, so here I am. But, yeah. you know, as far as 2016 Saints go, uh, I'm kind of excited about our offense. I don't know if I can okay. pick them to win a division. We probably got the best offense since 2011, especially with our wide receiver core. You know, Cooks, Coleman, Sneed, Thomas. Uh, got to be excited about that with a healthy Mark Ingram. You know, I think we can put up 30 points a game. And we're probably going to have to because our uh, our defense is going to be lacking. Again, I don't know about the worst in the NFL. Our defense got a little bit better, you know, basically addition by subtraction with Brandon Browner leaving the team. Right. right. Um, and and, and, um, those, and uh, Brother Ryan. <laughs> and yeah. the worst defense in Ryan. Y'all's Buffalo Bills are going to take that problem off our hands. Bo, <laughs> <laughs> can I – Bo, let me ask you something. Um, are you concerned at all about Drew Brees at this point in his career? I know there's a contract dispute. There's some worries that he's starting to diminish as a quarterback. Are you concerned at all about Drew Brees? Well, the arm strength, as you can tell from the last couple of seasons, is starting to diminish. 
you know, his deep balls aren't as accurate. Um, I think with the addition of Kobe Fleener this year and a healthy Mark Ingram, uh, we're going to help Drew a lot. You're going to see a lot of underneath stuff. You're going to see a lot of rolling out, you know, some wheel routes by Mark Ingram and uh, Hightower. Uh, I don't know how effective he's going to be on the deep ball, honestly, but uh, he's still the most accurate quarterback in the NFL, and that cannot be argued, you know. Um, So, yeah, I think they're going to take care of the contract, which is going to leave us in some trouble, you know, with the salary cap, which we're already in. (laughs) True. Very true. Very uh, true. It, the, the the potency of this offense is going to be uh, it's going to surprise the folks this year, and uh, I'm very excited about it. I hope so because I pick him as my quarterback in fantasy every year, so I need Drew Brees to be close that's, to hey, that's the same best. Oh god, here back. we go. Hey, yo, that's my listen, guy, TJ. That's my favorite listen, quarterback. I, I, I see that. You know what? I'm, not, I'm gonna let you do that. I'm gonna let you do slurping the Drew Brees because I'm a Julio hey, guy. Hey, Julio is my hey. favorite. Pause. Pause. All right, pause. I'm a, I'm a Julio. Julio's my favorite wide receiver in the NFL. So I do every year in fantasy since he came in. I he was my number, my first or second round pick. So I let you okay. I let you get that one. Thanks, sir. Hey, and, and Julio this year is the top five pick overall. Would not be a would not be an unsafe bet. Oh you yeah. Know, if I'm sitting there at three or four or five in the uh, in a fantasy draft in the uh, number in the first round, I think I'm picking Julio. Okay. Okay. PPR okay. or non PPR, I don't think it's gonna matter. So, Bo, um, before we let you go, um, tell the listeners where they can find your podcast, time frame, etc. Check us out. Uh, we, we usually record on Tuesday and post Tuesday afternoons. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. All you have to do is search the 400 level. Uh, we'd appreciate you subscribing. Uh, maybe even uh, leave a comment or two, positive or negative. Feedback's the only way anybody's going to get better. True indeed. You know, uh, if, if nothing else, just go and click, even if you don't end up listening. But uh, we do a two-part podcast every week. We do a uh, fantasy football advice column, too, called Fantasy Football Island. Tomorrow we're actually going to be doing the first 2016 edition with a uh, – I'm going to do a how-to-play fantasy football this year as our first edition since we're still about a month out of the season starting. And then once training nice, camp nice. and uh, preseason gets rolling, we're going to do some uh, some in-depth, you know, every team, every division. All right, real quick before we let you go, Bo, give me your rundown of top of who wins the division and who loses the division. Top. All right, so order. like I said, it, it, it's hard not to pick Carolina, as I don't think they have gotten any worse. I'm a little bit worried about the run game on the Panther, but you got Cam, so he can pick up Jonathan Stewart. Uh, I got I got Panthers 11 and five, Saints 10 and six, with a higher ceiling than that. I think 10 and six is a pretty safe floor. I think the Falcons are going to come in third, eight and eight or nine and seven, and the Bucks is. You know, as much as they are improving, I still think they're an 8-8, eight 7-9 eight, team. Okay, Saints are going to battle for the uh, wild card. Fair enough. We're going to hold you to that. I wrote them down, so I'm, I will be tweeting you hey, yeah, about this. Well, and let's just check in uh, throughout the season. I'd love to have you all on our show, too. Likewise. Definitely, let's, definitely. Let's keep this relationship fluid, man. I, I, I like having you on, both. Yeah, let's do it. Hey, right, and Bo, I don't know how you did it. You're a Saints fan working for the enemy. I couldn't do it myself, but thank you for coming on, bro. Appreciate it. Hey, I've, I've, somebody's got to infiltrate, man. Thanks a lot, fellas. <laughs> <laughs> well said, well said. Um, TJ, let's 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 keep it moving. Let's talk about the Falcons. You you, you loosely touched on your love for Julio Jones. Where, what's your outlook on the Falcons? Where do you find them falling in the NFC South? Are they good? Are they bad? Is Matty Ice a flop? What's up, man? Nah, I don't think Matty's a flop. I do think that they did get an upgrade with bringing Alex Mack at center. I think the problem was based around the offensive line because, well, pass protection anyway. They did well with with running the ball with Devontae Freeman, your boy from Florida State, as a matter of fact. Um, Yeah, they're actually looking good this year, but that's a different conversation. But the problem, I do believe that they have the best corner in their division now in okay. Desmond Trufant. Okay. So they got one piece right there. They picked up, um, what's this kid name from Florida, the safety, Neil. Yep. I, like, I, I like to see, I like the direction they're going. I just don't think they're there yet. I personally got them finishing last in the division. Because mm. I, I still have questions about the coach. I still have questions about who's going to pick up the slack as the number two receiver, right. aside from Julio, because I still see Julio getting about 200 targets again this year. Like, and I still think he'll be a beast, but you got to kind of alleviate some of that pressure off of him. So I got, uh, yeah, they got the quarterback. I got them finishing fourth right now. I got them finishing yeah. fourth. 
You know what? I want to disagree with you, but I feel like I can't. I like the Saints. I like what the Saints are bringing to the table. Uh, I nah, I can't have them finishing last. But I feel like this is a this is not a confident. I can't have them finishing last situation. It's more about which quarterback shows up. You know what I mean? Right. If 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 Matty Ice lives up to the nickname that he got a few years back, back when they were somewhat of an elite team, they were close to elite. If he plays like anything, you still have Julio Jones. Muhammad Sanu is not a scrub. Devontae Freeman showed that he was a dual threat. Tevin Coleman is not a scrub. They have the pieces offensively to put pressure on teams. So I believe that if if Matt Ryan holds up his end of the bargain, they can squeeze out eight and nine wins. But if he's if he stays excuse me, if he stays what he's been becoming in terms of regressing then yeah, this is a last place team because as you know, TJ, what is offensive skill talent if you don't have a quarterback to get them the ball where they need the ball? So it's like right, I, 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 I want to say last place, but you know what? I'm, I'm not. I'm gonna have them finishing third because I believe that Matt Ryan will be Matty Ice more often than he'll just be generic Matt Ryan. So I have him there, not last place, but they won't hit their true potential because their quarterback will hold them back when it's all said and done. Okay, fair enough. Let me preference this whole conversation with these three teams aside from outside of Carolina. Okay. I was the reason why I was unsure and torn about who would finish where is because I'm like, all right, everybody got gaping holes at some point. And it just seems like all three of them have gaping holes on the defensive side. So when I'm making these picks, I went with the combination of who's the quarterback and who is the coach. Right. And the coach I trust the most out of those three would be Sean Payton because Sean Payton has done it with with a great offense and maybe like a mid-tier and lower defense. So I True. can see the Saints doing some damage with that. So that's where I'm going to go with that one. Yeah, you know, Sean Payton is a proven commodity. I can't dispute that. I have them also in second place for, for similar reasons, but mostly I feel like we're going to see a, a more efficient state offense that we've become more accustomed to as opposed to last year where a lot of times they were erratic. But the problem, as we both know with the Saints, is that their game doesn't travel as well. Outside of maybe a Super Bowl year and maybe a year or two after that Super Bowl year, their game has not traveled well. And that's the reason why I feel like that they don't have multiple championships on their resume. Matt Ryan, to me, is schizophrenic, and he's I think he's regressing. But I think now maybe a new coach, a new philosophy will probably help him, you know, be a little bit better. And again, it's like they have too many good players to be that bad. Sometimes in the NFL, if it's not if it's not uh, chemistry issues, if you have the talent, you'll win more than you lose just based off of that. But to that point, I don't trust the quarterback. I have issues with the quarterback. Um, what about Jameis, though, TJ? Let's talk about the Patriots. I love Jameis. I love Jameis. I'm a Seminole. Man. I like, you already know. I was like, I was, I was on the bandwagon from when he first got to Florida State. So, like, I do believe he's a transcending quarterback. I okay. think he's in the mold of, I would even say, a tougher Ben Roethlisberger, and that's hard to be tougher than Ben Roethlisberger. Cause oh he, yeah. Like he got, he has the size of it. He has a great arm. He's pretty accurate. Um, he needs just to be like more in tune with the offense and everything, but that's what he was working last year. And he still threw over four thousand yards. And on top of that, his wide receiver, his number one option, Mike Evans, dropped a lot of balls. Because I remember yep. when they played the Giants, he dropped like six ball, five six balls in that. It seemed like in that game period. So he should have had way more yardage than what he did. I do believe that the defense is – like, I think they probably have one of the top three linebacker combinations in the league. So I do believe that they're up and coming. They got the best corner in the draft. He's still still unproven commodity NFL-wise, but he's still yep. a top corner. Um, they got to control Brent Grimes' wife. I'm sorry, no disrespect <laughs> to her, but don't disrespect the organization or say anything bad about the quarterback. However, just control, be good. I got them finishing third, bro. I haven't finished in third, and I think next year will be like an uptick of how people feel about the Raiders this year. The Buccaneers. The Bucks. But, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, you know what? I want to start it off. This team has the potential to be the third place team, or even higher, depending on what, if the Saints aren't what we think they could be. 
I think that they have big potential to be better than people think because I believe. I agree. I believe that Jameis Winston is the next great NFL quarterback. Now, everybody's going to say, you're a seminal. Of course you can say that. Famous as a freshman won a national championship. Famous mm-hmm. as a freshman beat an SEC team when the SEC was running the BCS national title game. What was it, seven straight years? The SEC team had won a championship before the Seminoles, built like an SEC team with a freshman quarterback, won the championship game. They were down 21-3. He galvanized that team to come back and win that title. It wasn't like he had super-duper wide receivers. Because Kelvin Benjamin, I'm a Seminole fan. Kelvin Benjamin, before famous, was not the Kelvin Benjamin we know today. I would think that he helped make Kelvin Benjamin. And I look at the way he played coming into the league. A lot of guys were trying to make him a character issue guy. They were trying to say that the kid out from Oregon, uh, his name is Casey right now, the kid out from Oregon who was going to be the top pick as well, second pick, was going to be a better pro prospect than him. And I sat back and I said, no, he's not. We already saw it. TJ, you saw it too. You're a college football guy. You saw the pro potential in Jameis Winston from the get set as a freshman. He's a, a natural mm-hmm. pocket passer with the ability to run if need be. That, you need that in today's NFL. Not to be a running quarterback, but to have pocket presence with the ability to run. He has that. Yep. He's crazy accurate. He's a big guy. I think he's about 6'4", 250, somewhere around there. He's a big guy. And he lost like 10, 15 pounds. Yes, and he can take the punishment. Jameis Winston is going to – you say a big Ben. I think he's going to be closer to that to the sheriff, bro. I'm going out. You Keep this recording. Ten years from now, if you come back to this, I think we have a, the black sheriff in the making, and Jameis Winston. Then I think him. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think him, along with their, their receiving core, along with their defense on the uptick, could either, you know, be a young team with young talent who loses games they should win, or they're going to surprise some people. Right now, I'm gonna have them. It's gonna be between them and the Falcons for third or last place. Just because I feel like, as you said, there the experience of Drew Brees and the coach Sean Payton and what they have in the defending NFC Championship team and uh, the Panthers are just better. But if things break a certain kind of way, don't be surprised if the Buccaneers finish in second place. No, I totally agree with you on that. I feel like the problem with the Bucs is it's kind of like I like what they did because they did what the Giants did. Essentially, is kept it OC. And let him, since he was working and had a good rapport with the quarterback, like right. with, what's his name, Dirk, Dirk Cutter? Yeah, Dirk Cutter. Yep. Dirk he actually did good with James the first year. So I, I kind of like it, but at the same time, you have to see what kind of decision making that the, that OC, now head coach, makes during game time. If, will he right. be able to control the clock? Right. Will he be able to call the right plays at the same time? Like, right. he, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be calling the plays anymore, honestly. They could probably leave it to whoever the new host is. So it's kind of like a different mindset as well. And to your point, TJ, it's, that's also now for Winston as well. We've seen that he has the physical capabilities as a quarterback in the NFL. Now it's about the peripheral things. Like you said, the clock management, knowing, knowing what plays are audible into and audible out of, things of that nature is going to be that next step in. Knowing to make the right reads, adjust them when the defense is adjusting him. Because as you be talking, we were joking about knowing each other a second ago about the film being out. Teams had a whole offseason to prep for Jameis Winston. Now in year two, it's now for him to see that, can he adjust to the way the league adjusts to him? And I think that's going to be the next big step for him as a top-tier quarterback. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you on that one. So I think, well, we kind of had like the same picks going for this. Um, You have, what, the Panthers, Saints, Falcons, Bucks. I have Panthers, Saints, Bucks, Falcons. Yeah, and, and honestly, third and fourth is interchangeable. I'm not, I'm not hard-selling last place for the Bucks. Or the Falcons. I just feel like it all depends on how the game plays out. Because in, in the end, NFL is a fickle league. Football is a fickle sport. A guy could get injured or, or some guy could just miraculously learn how to play. We didn't see Josh Norman coming a year ago, right? Some guy could just right. lift his game up and, and lift that team to a level we didn't see coming. And I think the NFC South, they have four, they have four live wires, I believe, in that division. I don't think there's a bad team in that division. And a break here or a break yeah. there could change the fortune. No, I agree. Like, I do believe that it could go anywhere between two, three, and four. Um, Like, you talking about the wild card. Like, Saints had one of those wild cards last season and Delvin Bro at linebacker. I mean, at, right. at corner. 
Like, he just came out of nowhere, and he was actually doing really well. So, like, I could see it going any which way. That's why I was kind of confused and torn about, like, which way do I want to go? Then I just had to sit down and think about it logically. So that's what I'm going to go with right there. I'll say this, and I saw this, you know, making the rounds in the media. It hasn't gotten a pub yet because football season isn't in full swing. Ron Rivera is having issues with the effort in practice from the Panthers. That that whole championship hangover, making the Super Bowl and losing, then puffing your chest out like we got what it takes to get right back. That could be something to keep an eye on this season to where if the Panthers take a step back because they're feeling themselves, one of these three other teams to sneak in and take their cookies, man. I just want to put that out there. No, I agree. You better not sleep because this is the NFL. Like you can go not saying that worse could go to the Super Bowl, but worse could go to the first in your division. And this division specifically has been notorious for that. Like for like eight straight years it was a brand new division winner. And that was like that's just unheard of. So they better not put they better not be on show. Alright. TJ, week four of our previews in the books. Eddie's about to come on for us to put a bow on this latest episode of Carson. Just I thank you once again for doing this with me, man. No problem. Next week, we're covering that AFC South. So back-to-back South for next yeah, week. That's news festival division. No offense. But it is what nah, it is. Nah, I think that's your listen. I think that division's coming, bro. But we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. You see, the tone has been set, ladies and gentlemen. We disagreeing a week out. Tune in. <laughs> I'll holler to you, Deuces. Eddie Sagara, my man for baseball, my man for the mess, is on the line. Eddie, what it is, man? Hooray. Thanks for having me on. What's going on, man? What's going on? Before we get into the mess, I wanted to touch on a couple of things. I wanted to give you your moment because I know what you do on the internet. I watch you. I see what you do. Alex Rodriguez stepped away from the game today. He's going to be a quote-unquote special advisor for the Yankees. What is your take on that, man? My take on it, we have not seen the last of Alex Rodriguez. I mean, clearly the Yankees are going through a youth movement. But then again, Mark, I mean, if I remember correctly, just a few days prior to A-Rod's announcement, didn't Mark Teixeira also announce his retirement? But I don't think he's being released on Friday as well. So, you know, A-Rod, obviously, you know, the Yankees and A-Rod have had uh, quite the relationship the last 12 years. But I don't think we've seen the last of A-Rod. A-Rod's four home runs short of 700. You're telling me he can't play next year and uh, hit four more home runs? True. He could, and and I think he will. I think that A-Rod's ego and his pride was being bruised, being treated like a nobody sitting on that Yankee bench. It's killing him, man. And even if physically he's not Alex Rodriguez, he's not A-Rod anymore, he still believes in his heart that he can be that guy. So sitting on the bench, being disrespected in his opinion by the Yankees, something had to give. And I believe that we saw what gave today. And no, no, you're right. And then, you know, the Yankees are still going to pay him. I think he's owed $6 million into the end of this season. The Yankees also owe him $20 million for the 2017 season. So, you know, even if A-Rod wanted to wait it out until the end of the season, the Yankees are still going to pay him. So, He's going to be a good soldier. He's going to be a good teammate. He'll be an advisor, quote-unquote, until the end of the season. But if people really think we've seen the last of Alex Rodriguez, then no. He'll be playing next year. And let's not forget, my uh, Alex Rodriguez, he's a native. You know, he's from Miami. I yeah. can see a scenario where maybe he plays for the Marlins next year. You know, coming <laughs> off the bench. Yeah. You just never know. You just never yeah. know. You, you sure Major League Baseball wants him and Barry Bonds on the same team? Come on now. <laughs> you know what? I completely forgot about that one. But, yeah. I, but I agree with you. This is not the end for Alex Rodriguez, the baseball player. Alex Rodriguez, the Yankee, has been over for a long time, and I think that he and Yankee Brass finally came to grips with it. Stop disrespecting this man and find something else for him to do. Another thing. Ichiro, 3,000 hits, Eddie. I'm happy for him. Do you think that this locks him I, in as a Hall of Famer? Like, is he, is, is he like, because a lot of guys are kind of hating on him with the 3,000 hit situation. Is he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Oh, absolutely. I mean, if, if Ichiro's not a Hall of Famer, then who's a Hall of Famer? I mean, the guy's unbelievable. The guy's never hit for power, but you've always heard about his 
home run prowess during batting right. practice. I mean, let's not forget the guy has 3,000 hits and he debuted at age 27. Imagine if he came into the major leagues at 21 or 22 years old. This guy probably is like the all-time hits leader in Major League Baseball. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's an all-time great player. Like, people often forget how great Ichiro was. I mean, he played in Seattle, you know what I mean? So if you were, you know, if you're a baseball fan out on the East Coast, you weren't watching Ichiro play day in and day out. But, I mean, good for him. I mean, he deserves it. I think he'll probably be, like, what, the first Japanese-born player in the Hall of Fame. So, I mean... It's, it's uh, you know, just a few years ago, people thought his career was over when he played the season and a half with the Yankees, but he's been, uh, he's played well in the part-time role with the Marlins these last two years. So, I mean, you know, congratulations to Ichiro, very much deserved, first ballot Hall of Famer. I mean, he's probably up there with Cologne. Who retires first, Cologne or Ichiro, you know? Man, you're right, but I had to ask because as he was approaching 3,000, uh, it was a lot of negative a lot of negativity his way from former baseball players, guys like Pete Rose and a couple of other guys that were kind of like hating on him. Oh, he's not really the hits king because he, I think he overall has the most hits for a professional baseball player. So there's a lot of negative vibes thrown his way. And I was like, this guy to me is the first battle Hall of Famer. So I wanted to ask somebody else if I'm bugging for feeling that way. And I'm glad that you verified the obvious. And because I, I don't like this, I don't like the negative route that sports takes where we have to bash a guy when he's great. Just appreciate greatness, is my opinion. No, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, there's a bunch of haters. You know, it's also the you know, it's all you know, it's it's media driven as well. So I mean, uh, A Rod, I mean not A Rod, but Ichiro, just uh, um, you know, early on in his, early on in his career, all he heard about was you know he was a diva, he was a prima donna, they didn't really get along with teammates, but he still got the job done, you know. True indeed. True so. indeed. All right, so let's get into the Mets. We got a couple of minutes left in the show. We lost two out of three in Detroit. What what are you feeling about the New York Mets as of right now? Um, you know, I'm not feeling as confident as I did a week ago, Ray. You know, all I kept yeah. talking about was the Mets are just a game out of the wild card. They're gonna be fine, and just a week later, they're two games out of the wild card. You know, they're still in it, but this is something. I mean, you said it yourself. We talked about this off the air. There's something about this team that's just just that's off. You know, I mean, you know, something about the Mets. I mean, I'm no psychic. I knew they weren't going to get swept. I knew they salvaged a game. Um, They very easily could have won two out of those three games, though. Like, Detroit was giving away Saturday night's game. You know, the Mets consistently were hitting the ball on the ground for double plays, and Detroit was just trying to give that game away. And the Mets still lost, you know? And then what was so frustrating about this weekend, Ray, so, you know, obviously Noah Syndergaard has not pitched as well since the whole bone spur announcement. You know, he's just not as dominant. Um, so that bears watching. And then Saturday, I'm not really too sure if the Mets had a chance. You had Logan Verrett start for the Mets. He was absolutely uh. awful. And then you had John Neese, who I guess did a decent job. Um, and then on Sunday, you have your ace, Jacob DeGrom, who pitched a hell of a ball game. And they couldn't score him more than one run while he was in the game. You know, if it wasn't for Neil Walker, we're talking about a three-game sweep. Yeah. Um... Yeah. You know, and then the thing that bugged me about this week, if you just give me a, just two or three minutes to just absolutely rant on Terry Collins, and I have been a Terry supporter uh, for these last few months. Oh, my God. For instance, Saturday night's game, you have Logan Verrett, who's your fifth starter, started, you know, uh, starting for your team. And who do you have DHing? You have your backup catcher, Rene Rivera. <laughs> DHing for the New York Mets. Who do you have batting uh, second? Not Michael Conforto, but Ty, Ty Kelly. Kelly. Gosh. What is Terry thinking? And then in the uh, ninth inning of that game, you know, Ch- Travis Darno comes through with a base hit. Why is Shea Bruce still on second base, though? Why wasn't know. he pinch run for? Why, Terry? Know. What are you, you know, thinking? You know what, Eddie? I'm starting to honestly believe that... The game, the game is starting to pass Terry Collins by. Like I, I think all season long, I think, almost, if not every Sunday, every other Sunday, 
I've been hitting you up. Like, yo, what is he doing? Like, what's, what is with these lineups? I, the game has passed him by, man. And I'm really starting to be concerned about him as our manager. Because even his in-game decisions, like, real small. I think yesterday when we were up one to nothing, he made a change to bring in uh, Jerry Blevins. Did he not know that Ian Kinsler was on their bench? So you basically brought in Blevins to pitch the lefty, and the manager of the Tigers made a simple switch and brought in Ian Kinsler to go lefty versus righty. I'm like, Terry Collins, what are you doing, man? Our, our lineups are set up to where it's like auto losses. We can look at a lineup and say, you know, oh, this is a loss because we have we don't have guys in primary position. He split, he spreads out all the Mets good as opposed to having all the good hitters hit right back, back to back to back that offer some protection. He's having these guys spaced out, having guys who need to see pitches hitting eight, having guys like Michael Conforto who needs to play more to get his rhythm back. He's he's playing sporadically and having scrubs take his spot like Alejandro Deaza. I'm just looking at this guy and I'm like, what are we doing? But you know what, Eddie? For that, I had to I had to piggyback your rent on this on our manager. But for that, the match is still what a game, two games out of the wild card. Is this? Let me ask you a serious question. Is this the Mets doing what the Mets do to us as Mets fans and stressing us out and they were just going to make the playoffs anyway? Because I'm starting to think this is what's going to end up happening. The Mets are going to piss us off because that's what Mets do. Then they're going to make the playoffs anyway. How do you feel about that assessment? I would not disagree with that one point. I I absolutely agree with you, though. You know, it's like this the field in the National League this year. Like, pretty much, if it wasn't for their competition, you know, if it wasn't for the teams ahead of them, the Nets would be out of it. Oh, we honestly yes. have to think, but we honestly have to think Major League Baseball for the second wild card because if yes. it wasn't for the second wild card, the Mets would be or the Mets would be done. They'd be playing for next year. They'd be talking about shutting down Stephen Mets. They'd be talking about <laughs> study, shutting down Noah Syndergaard. So we need to thank Major League Baseball for that second wild card. And I'll tell you one thing: whether the Mets have you know, right now, it's more it's more and more likely like they're gonna. If they're gonna make the playoffs, they're gonna have they're gonna go to the wild card, whether they yep. have the home field or not. The Mets are a very dangerous team in that one game playoff because you have Jacob DeGrom, you have a yep. Noah Syndergaard, you have a you have a good bullpen, you have a Hansu Robles, you have an Addison Reed, who's been one of one of the most unsung heroes on the Mets this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. And you have Familia, who, yes, you know, he makes it interesting, but he's only blown two saves this year, you know? True. But those are two so, saves in a homestand that we needed wins. It cost us uh, critical games. I'm not giving him a pass for that, Eddie. I'm sorry. You're absolutely right. If it wasn't for those two blown saves, maybe the Mets are uh, tied for that second wild card spot. Um, you know, you know like, you know, every week I – yeah, Ray, I'm so sorry to cut you off. No, go ahead, go ahead, man. I got you. Go ahead. Get it off. You know, for weeks I've been saying the Dodgers are going to fade. And you know what? They haven't faded yet. Like, what's going on here? Kershaw's probably done for the rest of the season. They continue to win series. Um, But in a one-game playoff against, you know, a potential Dodgers team, you got to say the Mets are the favorites. Uh, but you know that's a little long. You know that's like two months away. The Mets need to, you know, at the end of the day, Mets, the Mets need to take care of business this week. They play the Lonely Diamondbacks the next three days, and they play the Padres. I mean, knowing the Mets, they're probably not going to go undefeated in this homestand. But you got to go at least five and one. I think anything, anything below that, a four and two homestand or a three and three homestand, will be an absolute disgrace. I'm not willing to say that. Give me four and two. I'm okay. What, I, what I'd like to say is, is that I still believe that there's a funny vibe around this team. I just, it just, it doesn't have, I don't have that. Remember last year I kept saying to you when you were getting mad, stay the course. This year I'm staying the course, but it just doesn't feel the same. But the baseball gods have it to where as bad as it's been, we're right there. And I think we're going to be in the playoffs. Because think about it. The Mets are going to get healthy in September. Sess is going to be back. Azdrubal is going to be back. Wheeler's going to eventually come up because he's, he's starting to do his rehab games. We're going to get reinforcements. Reyes is coming back this week, I believe. The reinforcements are coming. So I believe that the Mets will be in good shape to make the playoffs. I'm going to say that. As mad as I've been with the team, I think they make the playoffs. And we're going to be here laughing at ourselves with that one-game playoff in October. 
I hope you're right. I hope so, too. Eddie, I appreciate it. We went overtime today because I know you needed that moment to get it off. Next Monday, hopefully, we'll have you back once again, man. Thanks for the platform. Thanks for everything. Absolutely. Thank you for coming on, man. Without you, there is no mention MOB talk. We need Eddie on car session. <laughs> have a good one, man. You, too. People, there you have it. Another successful episode of the Car Session Sports Report. Again, we are the diversion from the narrative-driven, the construct-driven, the superstar-driven sports talk. If you need a sports talk Uber, tune in the Car Session. Next time, next week, 7 p.m. Hope you're there.